Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Hunt Lifty Podcast. I'm your host here with my handsome as ever co-host, recently discovered talent, Luke Cox. What's up, dude? What's up, man? Glad to be here. I kind of like this with you in the host seat. It's it's a lot easier for me. I dig this. You found More out about fun. five minutes before this started, but you're now the host. I'm the Too guest. Easy. Too easy. You don't look like you're in your uh, mansion currently. I'm not. Shout out to uh, old Charlie Carr here. Uh, with as, It's been rainy all day, and so Elon was letting me down with my Starlink and my camper. It was real, real shoddy. So I was like, hey, man, can I come record a podcast at your house? And he was like, come on. He just set up a fucking command station. He's got a desk and monitors everywhere. It's badass. This might be my new workstation. Hell yeah, man. Well, happy to be hosting with our first uh, our first guest with me running running host. This is an easy one. We got old Sam Seaton, founder and CEO of Infinite Outdoors, back on the podcast. What's going on, man? What's up? Thanks for having me back on. Glad to be here. Yeah, dude, you're becoming a real series regular, right? Right? I'm all right with that. Because guess it means I haven't pissed you guys off yet. Keep putting on some properties like that antelope hunt, man. You're definitely not pissing us off. We got to <laughs> make sure we're endearing to you at this point. <laughs> I'm glad that hunt turned out so well for you guys. Yeah, you were like, always like, like, I remember talking with the guys. I'm like, I haven't heard from anybody in like, like it's opening morning. How, how have I not got like a, a picture, a text? Like, like what's going on? Did, did everything leave or these guys not know what the heck they're doing? And then, and then they started flowing in rapidly. <laughs> Too busy shooting them, man. We, we had to ke- play catch up at lunch with you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was about an hour in. Carter started panicking because we didn't have anything on the ground yet. <laughs> <laughs> I did panic. Yeah. Or we have so, many, so many new guys out there for the first time. I was like, oh, my God, they're not going to kill anything. We need to put something on the ground. Little did you know, Perry shot one within the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Well, I knew somebody shot. I didn't know he killed anything. Dropped yeah, man. Him. Badass. We don't need to rehash all that, but yeah, it was an awesome, awesome experience. Awesome hunt. Definitely love the app. And, you know, it was cool to, obviously we've been talking about it and and getting to actually utilize it firsthand, go to a property and, you know, experience it. It's a huge, uh, just need in the marketplace because it's so hard if you're coming from out of state to, even if you're willing to pay a trespass fee, how do you get a hold of a rancher? How do you find a rancher that's willing to, to accept the trespass fee? trespass fee so having that that bridge there through infinite is perfect and it definitely uh was much appreciated from our end yeah i'm glad it uh glad it worked out i guess obviously the hunt was very successful but how how the uh how the app and the technology like how that guys how that worked for you guys and, and well and- dude before even the app i owe michael and alec christmas presents too they were phenomenal i was bugging them like crazy you know weekly texting them on my way to work in the morning and I, I kept forgetting y'all are two hours behind so they're getting texts at like 3 a.m and uh, <laughs> I'm just so excited <laughs> hey hey can we talk today man I just want to talk through some of these access points on the on the property because that was really important to us right we want to be good stewards of uh, you know for the opportunity that was given to us through y'all and we don't want to put you in a bad spot. Right. Cause like, like Luke said, like, say you do find a rancher, but like I could see where they could be a landowner could be apprehensive letting, you know, some yahoos from around the country come hunt on their property. Um, 
and all of us have hunted people's permissions before. And part of that is picking up trash and making sure you close all the gates. And Luke and I have worked cattle for fortunately before this. So we know that's paramount, uh, especially on a working ranch like that. And, uh, yeah, man, I bothered the heck out of Alec and and, my, and uh, Michael about it, man. I was like, hey, can we, where can we access? I just want to make sure we got all our, you know, I's dotted and our T's crossed. And uh, the app was fantastic. You guys lay out everything, all expectations very clearly, which I appreciated. Not too wordy, but very clear and concise. Yeah. That was really awesome. helpful. Glad to hear it. And that's, that's those guys' job. You know, I've, if anything, you probably should have woken them up even earlier. Keep get them get them ready for that waterfowl season. They got to take calls at two a.m. <laughs> make make them earn it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. great, man. Yeah, really great. One of you guys' pictures had a had a horse in the background. What was what was that about? Was that one of the the ranch that horses? Was the, that was the first one. And yeah, we were uh, we were driving in, and we were in like the center of the operation on like the main kind of road that runs through. And uh, you know, there's a oil well right beside us they've got you know their shoots and everything for the, the cattle side and in the horse pasture um we're looking and like Perry and i are looking over to our right because that's where cole and roger had seen a herd and so we're trying to look find that herd and then we like looking right in front of us through the windshield and there was a, a good buck and, and two does and it was in the horse enclosure and the horses were far to, to the to the left so there was no like you know risk of, of hitting one of them but once we shot him, shot the goat and he dropped, we went in there and those horses got real curious real fast. And they were, <laughs> they were, I think they've been pretty neglected. So they came up and were nuzzling us and wanting, wanting some attention and they started getting, we were dragging them out. They got, they were getting a little rambunctious and one of them started crow hopping and, and bucking everywhere, like playing. And I was like, I'm not, no. So I was like, Perry, let's set this down and let this guy calm down a little bit. Cause I've grown up around horses and when they get, get to moving, it doesn't matter if they're playing or not. So. 1500 pound critter that <laughs> yeah so but it was it was pretty funny so perry's there and we couldn't get him out of the pictures and i was like fuck it it's just part of the experience is pretty funny yeah. that's awesome added to it i remember when we saw that one of our uh one of our employees she asked she's like, she's like do they bring in pack horses i'm like they better not have brought in pack horses that kind of <laughs> beats the uh the lift part of hunt lift eat if you can't even carry out an antelope but uh <laughs> for that trip <laughs> It, yeah, it was put a 50 meter drag back to the truck. So that one wasn't very bad at all. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, man. Phenomenal experience. We're excited to, or I was already snooping around. I think I texted you when I got back, I was already snooping around for deer properties on infinite. Uh, so maybe you and I can talk in January and start game planning a little bit. Oh yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah, man. Phenomenal experience thrilled about it and happy to uh happy to share that with people for sure yeah and i'm glad you guys got that experience and uh, thanks for uh yeah utilizing our utilizing our app and supporting the local wyoming rancher economy i know they appreciate it as well you guys were. well and you've had your fair share of hunting but how's it been balancing like how has infinite been doing this this season y'all have good bookings yeah no it's been uh it's been fantastic i think we um yeah, I think we shoot probably 80 or 90% of our properties uh, for the hunting season already hit their their uh, management quota. So our biologists won't let anything else on there. So they're pretty much book solid. And and uh, I don't want to jinx it because there's still some, you know, some deer seasons and stuff going on. But uh, 
overall, which for a platform our size is, is crazy, but we're at like a 90, 95% success rate on DIY hunts, which for Western big game is kind of absurd. Like I don't, I don't want people to think that that's, that that's the norm you every year, but when you go from like a 10% elk harvest average to, you know, opening day of elk season, there's two, three fifty plus bull shot and like opening morning on infinite properties and everyone else's pretty much anybody that actually hunts the whole time. You always have those few guys that truly don't get it. They got one day, like I didn't see anything. And they just left. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? But everybody else is really having great success. So it, it's been a, been a great year so far for, uh, for our landowners and for infinite as a well. whole. That's awesome. And I didn't realize uh, y'all have a strong waterfowl presence out there. You have a lot of uh, geese and duck properties through infinite. And we saw ducks in droves, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that's actually, at least in, at least in Wyoming and Colorado, that's probably our, our most, our most used and most known segment is that, uh, uh, it's waterfowl, um, especially in the front range of Colorado. I know we already probably have, I don't know, six or 700 bookings already on the, already on the books for waterfowl season and goose just opened today in Colorado. So it's, uh, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely another one that's in high demand and, Another another market that's hard for people since, you know, like you guys know, when you have jobs and stuff, a lot of times those yearly waterfowl leases don't make sense because to get your money's worth, you'd have to hunt during the weekday and be doing a whole bunch of, you know, spend a ton of time out there. And if you have a family that you care about or a job, you know, you, you have some weekends you got to pick from. And uh, I think that's why it's really caught on so much from the waterfowl front. Yeah, across the board, like that was something we talked about and the busier that I get, you know, the, the irony of getting, you know, starting a company in the hunting space is you actually get to hunt less. That's what I've learned. I don't know if you had a similar experience, but you just start, you know, it, it starts to consume everything. And I don't have the ability to go out and hunt for, you know, the duration of archery elk season or be able to hunt for a 10 day, you know, 20 days of, of continuous hunting. And sometimes, especially on public, like that's, that's what you, if you know, if you're willing to commit to it, that's what you have to do to, to, you know, have that really high level of success and being able to, you're basically from the way I look at it, that trespass fee, when it goes back into an industry that I wholeheartedly support to guys that can use, utilize it. And then two, it really is just kind of buying some time back. I'm paying to not have to deal with other hunters after my color. I was, we were hunting, Perry and I were hunting uh muzzleloader season for antelope in Colorado and just every single stalk we were on got busted by another hunter. It was just, it was just, it was getting comical at a certain point. These guys just don't know what they're doing. They can get the tags cause they're available. And so they go out and they buy a muzzleloader and they're just walking through like we're on a stalk, you know, we have one bedded and they just walk right through the middle of it. That happened more times than I can count. And I was like, man, I'd pay any amount of money to not have any of these guys on this property right now. So I think it's definitely worthwhile, especially, you know, the busier you are and the less time you have to hunt, you're just increasing your odds and your chances and you're, you're limiting the variables and the factors of the other people, uh, which I think is definitely, definitely worthwhile in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on that, on that same point, I always, um, you know, whenever people are pushed back, like, oh, what, you know, why would you pay for that access? Like other than the obvious reasons the not having to deal with all the seed warrants and all that stuff, but your, your time is worth something too. So like, if you guys can go through six people and all tag out on, you know, on one day and just know you're set for that five day period, that's huge versus if you had to take off 10 days of work and, and do all of that, that has a tangible cost as well. It's just, 
it's just a loss in opportunity cost. And a lot of times that's, that's far greater. So you have to account your own time too. And, and that, that's why I, like you said, I don't get a hunt nearly as much as I, as I used to being, being in this industry and, and working so much. So have to have to capitalize on it. And my time's worth something too. If I'm going to be gone for a, for a week, I'm like, Oh shoot, that's, you know, thousands and thousands worth of dollars that myself and our company lost. So it's, it's a lot easier to justify paying a few bucks and supporting a rancher, and keeping them from having to divide, subdivide their, their ranch to make ends meet. Yeah. I think Perry had the line of the, the trip. He, after his first day, he just said, you know, hunting public's cool, but God, I love hunting private. <laughs> <laughs> he probably said it 50 times, man. Yeah. So much less BS. I, I got a, a, unfortunate reminder of how brutal that is because uh because you get as you guys know we talked about last year with some of the winter kill in wyoming especially western wyoming um it it really drew a lot of people from those tags they got cut up to you know like the like the north of casper and and, and areas like that where um like we're at a deer tag this year and i just went to a public spot and and i packed back in um three miles and then hunted from there and opening day like in previous years never even saw anybody but uh saw over 30 people that were at least three miles deep or further and they're like over every ridge i'm like this is so stupid like i don't know what the hell i'm doing out here just just wasting time getting uh getting a shooting match and track meet with a bunch of random people and i'm trying to enjoy some much needed time off and solitude but is what it is there's there's still beauty in that still got one in, you know, felt good because I felt like I won a competition, but it wasn't uh, not the same as like hanging out nice and quiet with my with my buddies and enjoying my time. Yeah, public land has just gotten so in vogue, and don't get me wrong, I love the fact that we have it and we have the the access, but it's become like, and you see it. I don't know, you're on those same groups. It's like somebody kills one, and God forbid they shot it on private. Folks are like you know, giving them shit for, I mean, even Roger dropped something about and gave infinite a shout out on the Wyoming page. The guy was like, that's hardly DIY. And I'm like, I mean, just because it was private access doesn't mean we didn't do it ourselves. It wasn't guided. You know, these guys just want to, there's always something, you know? And so I think that people feel this pressure that they have to hunt on public. They have to hunt this certain kind of way. To me, it's like, everybody needs to just choose what their individual hunt is. And personally, I like to put shit on the ground, so I'll use a bow, but I'll also use a rifle (laughs) because You know, it's like a lot of things can go wrong. And the the more barriers that you lower and the, the more variables you remove, because you can only control so much anyways, you know, I think you're just inc- improving your chances and your odds, which is never a bad thing, especially if you don't have a significant amount of time where you're not that experienced. You know, if you can drop, if you're not dealing with other pressure, if you're not dealing with animals that are so on edge that the second they even sense something, they're going to bolt like that was a big thing that we noticed was, you know, those like the one that Perry shot right there in the middle of that, the operation. If that had been any time I've ever hunted antelope, the second the truck stopped, those goats would have been gone. Cause we were like, we were not, we were 400 meters from him when I stopped the truck. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And then like we stopped and they didn't even look up from, like they looked at us and then went back down to grazing. And Perry and I were like, why are they not moving? And then we, I was like, dude, 
this is right where like, there's probably a hundred trucks a day that stop in this exact same spot. And so then we were able to like stalk up and get another hundred meters up and, and he, <laughs> we were just telling the story. I actually forgot my tinnitus has been acting up a lot because I shot a lot when I was mule deer hunting. Long story. I don't want to get into it, but I had to run back to the truck to get my ear pro. And so I'm like, hold on. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, no, I need my ears. So I ran back to get my ears then ran back and got on the glass. He's just laughing. Like in no other world would we have been able to have that much time to be able to like unfuck ourselves and then get squared away and get him set up for a 300 yard shot. Like it was just, it was just a, it's hunting a completely different animal, which, you know, it's just, it's cool. It was a nice change from the pace we've been on hunting, you know, high pressured muzzle loaders, uh, open sight muzzle loaders in Colorado. Yeah. And it's no guarantee, right? Like, just because you have access to private doesn't mean the, the animals aren't tied up and left there. You know, it's not it's not a guarantee. It's not a not always a, a slam dunk as we're kind of pitching it here. Um, you still have to find them and you still have to plan your stocks. And we had to work around boundaries and, and other properties and you know, little puzzle pieces where it was the neighbor's property and things like that. You still have to be cognizant of all those things. Um, so there's still, I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression, right? You can't, you can't make them be there, but for us, boy, were they there. So yeah, I mean, they, this analogy in the past too, but it's yeah, private, it's going to be better. We manage it to be better, do everything in our power. But you know, like that elk example, if, even if, the national average is like a 10% success rate. Even if it's five times as good, there still is a 50-50 chance you're not going home with somebody. So it's it's still hunting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's – there was a lot of opportunity, but we still had a lot of blown stalks. We still had a lot of blown opportunities. You know, some mistakes were made. Roger Cole. But, no, it's, it was – it was good. Cole's producing right now, and he's he's not chatting, but he's he can hear everything I'm saying. His face is <laughs> priceless. It says it all. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, yeah. it was awesome. But dude, let's hear about something. You've had some fucking hunts here recently. That moose. Yeah, that, let, let's get that full run down. Yeah, we knew you had that pretty cool tag in your pocket, man. That seemed to work out okay. Yeah that that uh that worked out all right for me. That was a <laughs> that was a yeah crazy crazy hunt. Um, because I think like we discussed, like I was I had a I had two different camps that I set up. They were way the hell back in there um because that's all that's all backcountry public land um and you know once in a lifetime tag with moose so my general instinct is to just make myself suffer a ton and just make things way harder than it needs to be my uh my team always gives me a lot of shit for that um just because everything i immediately i'm like how hard can we make this but uh we had we had two camps the first camp was was a uh, it was like a four mile atv ride to the edge of wilderness and then had a, a base camp that was another two miles that I packed a wall tendon on my back. Um, and then had another spike camp, like another six or eight miles back from that. Um, and, uh, it was, uh, it was wild. So we started out way the hell back there. Um, we're getting on, getting on moose, kept, kept, uh, kept blowing stocks. Um, cause that like, I'd never, I got, honestly, I, I was a little complacent because I was used to seeing like anybody that lives out West or, you know, gone to like a, a national park or something. They've probably seen those, your classic dumb moose, you know, your Yellowstone moose that's standing right next to the road. And you're like, ah, that animal's never seen pressure. They're going to be nice and dumb. Um, not the case once you get back deep because they don't, they don't see people and they turn back into a wild animal. Um, <laughs> so I, 
admittedly blew a bunch of stocks. I kept getting in and that early season because I was archery starting in September. They're they all they, they hang out at Timberline. So you like you'd think just conceptually it'd be the easiest thing ever. Like, I right, got this big dumb animal, it's not afraid of anything. They're out in the open. Um, but there's found out the hard way there's a reason they were up at Timberline and in these open spots, because there's we always kind of had a southwest wind that would come over this pass. But in the mornings, um, if you hunt if you hunt mountainous areas, you know about all the, the different thermals and the thermals you know, like nine o'clock or so, eight thirty, they switch and they start coming uphill. So they stood exactly where the uphill thermals met the prevailing winds so that the winds just swirl in circles. So it's impossible to get within like a hundred yards of these things without wind blowing right in their face. Um, and the other thing that I now know is when they spook, they don't just run off these, these moose, they run to where you can't see them. And then they bed down like a, like a pheasant would, and they just hide in the willows. Um, so they just disappear hmm. in the open site, but you're not going to go. Th- I wasn't going to go like trying to jump shoot some 1500 pound aggressive animal with a bow. Like that seemed like a good way to die. Um, and they just disappear. So you just get like find them the next day and, and the next evening. And I just kept blowing stock after stock. Um, so it was a uh, pretty, pretty discouraged, ran out of food, spent the first because I hiked in. I was there a couple days early trying to spot some of these good, good bulls that we'd seen and, and found them. And, and then ran out of food and 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 had to uh, pack back down to our uh, our lower camp. And uh, at that time, like had so that I was on the the second day of the hunt by that point. So two days like scouting out back, trying to spot them, and then the first day and then that morning. Um, and had one of my old buddies from from uh, football in college. He he drove drove all the way up from Colorado and met me and hiked hiked in on his own didn't have an atv or anything hiked all the way up to base camp and, and met me there and uh and we we're just kind of glassing that that low country not seeing anything up high we're just about to turn back in when, when we spotted something way way down low in, in another valley like a thousand plus feet below us and that was the uh the massive one that i ultimately ended up getting but even it i blew four stocks on it went all the way down um <laughs> If I'm talking too long, just tell me to shut up. I'll, no, no, this is good. I, I have zero experience with moose, so taking yeah, notes on the off chance. Ever, yeah. so we want to hear all of it. Yeah, definitely. And that's the only time I'll <laughs> Yeah, no. So it was a. Uh, so when I saw it, and we just tear off straight down. Because um, the, the thing you're looking for with moose, um, like from a, a trophy perspective, is you want uh, a brow time to be to be split that's kind of the the sign of its maturity and that's also from like boone and crockett or pope young measurements you measure from the lowest point in those splits so if you don't get that you lose like 20 inches off the thing again normally i don't care but it's a once in a lifetime tag and i had two yeah. months to hunt in in wyoming so i was like i'm not, I'm not just gonna shoot a dinker let's, let's, let's see what happens so saw that it had the split brows it wasn't one that they glassed up on any of my scouting times it was clearly bigger than anything so we just sprint straight down there get all the way down to this open meadow he's still right where we thought he was um but he's out in this open willow meadow along this creek feed and so i just kind of there's one tree out there put that in between us sneak up get within probably 80 yards like i'd taken off my shoes at this point everything but needed to close a little more um and actually waded across the the river that's there 
um, got to the other side, was at 45 yards, was just about to pull back and take a shot. And like the wind was still good. I don't think I made any noises at all. And he just got some, some sixth sense and kind of looks around and walks off a couple hundred yards and beds down in the trees. Like where I can still see him. I'm like, you son of a bitch. Like what, what the hell just happened? Um, so I'm just out there with my, with my pants off, just, uh, just laying down flat in these willows. I'm like, like this is like, how in the hell did that happen? So there's no way I can really sneak back, um, except for that river. So I, I like crawl back another, uh, another dozen yards or whatever and dropped into that Creek. And I mean, it's, it, it's super cold. We're still at, you know, 9,000 feet. Um, and I wade through the river cause that's the only low point downstream for, for probably a solid half mile and to where the trees connect. And then I pop back up and, and there's still like a little one where you can see me. So I'm army crawling through just this, this bog and swamp, get up on the other side, sneak all around the trees again, soaking wet, no shoes on this entire time. Get back within probably 50 yards. Like I know right where he's at. And again, I, I'm positive. I'm just being totally silent. Didn't, um, like wasn't making any, any steps. And I step on like the smallest, smallest little stick, like, like literally nothing. And he gets up, doesn't ever even look at me and runs over to the other side. The window's still good and runs to the other side of where I originally came from and was feeding. Um, so, so at this point I'm just like, you gotta be kidding me. Like I was set up perfectly two times in range. This thing just left. It was not noticeably spooked either time. And now he's feeding right back to where my buddies were that came and were hunting with me. And he's like a hundred yards from them at by this point. So I run around again, all the way back to where I came from, cross that, cross that Creek, get back in the other wheels, loop around. Still no shoes. Still no shoes. Um, (laughs) And all the way around to the other tree line. And, and, uh, and by this point there was another cow that, that came out kind of in between where we're at. So he was heading towards this cow. So you have, you have the cow, you have the bull, and then my buddies are right in between, and they're like heading towards each other. It's like shit. Like he's, they're gonna bust on these guys any second now. Like, it's ridiculous. Would just sat there, would have been fine. But snuck all around, creeped in. He was distracted by that other cow. Got into, but I, so I was able to get into forty yards. I wasn't paying attention. Finally got in. Was able to draw. Get a forty-five yard quartering away shot. Um, got a really solid shot. Was able to do a little moose grunt. Stopped again at sixty. Got another arrow in him. And he, went down within 40 yards after that and uh come yeah, on i was like never blowing that many stocks on a single moose or on any hunt really and uh uh yeah all, all finally came together and it was a stud moose i think uh unofficially six biggest velvet um shirus moose or however the hell you pronounce that type of moose um with a ever shot with a bow so pretty pretty lucky on that one that is freaking awesome that is so awesome <laughs> Yeah, very long-winded answer, but it was it was it was it was exciting. We were, we were able to film the whole thing too, which is pretty cool. So we actually have a YouTube video out on it. But it was fun. That's really badass. That's. Have you thought about go, trying to go up to Alaska or Canada and hunt them again up there? Or is, you think you're done with moose now that you're? I mean, it's pretty yeah. awesome to tag out in your home state. So. Yeah. No, I, well, now I feel like I need to go to Alaska and Canada at some point just because there's, there's that moose slam where you can shoot Alaska and Yukon and, and Shiris moose. Um, so I'm like, I got the hard one. So now I kind of feel like I have to, 
Um, so I've actually been, it's actually just messaging, uh, uh, Casey with hush yesterday. Cause he, he shot a really big, uh, really big moose with his, with his boat too. And, and kind of has the bug. So I was like, you know, trying to plan a trip where I'll fly up our bush plane maybe next year and try to try to get that one off the, uh, off the bucket list. But, so oh, I yeah. actually did it once in Alaska and was unsuccessful. I did do a DIY in Alaska, Alaska for 12 days. Came up empty-handed already. What's the difference size-wise between like a moose like that and an elk, like a good-sized bull? Um, it's uh, I mean they're 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 bigger, but but elk are a big bull is is still shockingly big. Like it's yeah. it's probably. 300 pounds bigger that that big bull is than than like a really big elk um but but then uh an alaska moose is is way bigger than both because an alaska moose is is like a full thousand pounds bigger than than the moose oh, yeah they're like that that's why when i did that diy like float trip trying to get a moose in alaska in the past i didn't get one because they have if you're non-resident you have to have at least a 50 inch minimum spread to even be able to shoot them now my moose they just said that was you know record books top six biggest velvet archery moose ever shot um it wouldn't have even been legal because it was like 49 inches wide so you couldn't even legally have shot that in, in, in alaska give you an idea of how much bigger those ones are that's insane yeah <laughs> it's absurd it's a lot of pressure too it's not like given time to take out the tape on on 50 inches man when you 49 or 50 inches or whatever that's right that's close that's why i never shot any because they were there's a few that were probably on the edge but they're, they're, they're they tell you to measure their eyes because that's supposed to be 10 inches from eye to eye and then you like in your scope right. and you add like another two on either side to see if it's in there and i was like in theory that works but not when they're walking through a marsh and their heads down or they're jogging or they come out of the trees when you're calling for three seconds and <laughs> yeah it's a it was, it was a challenge. It was a fun hunt from the float and the adventure side of things, but I, I don't know that I like highly recommend the Alaska side of things. Yeah. I think we're like having a guide that actually knows and he can be like, Hey buddy, is that, is that 50? And he's like, no. Like, okay, good. Like, right. <laughs> cause I, I would have yeah. thought that was 50. <laughs> like, <laughs> having somebody who actually knows what they're looking at. Same with like, even some of the bighorn stuff. It's just, you're just, you're just, <laughs> I feel like you've got massive fucker factor until you get up on it. I, I don't know. I know Carter's had it. Yeah. Cole definitely too. But you get some of that ground shrinkage. You know, you, you shoot a deer and you think it's a certain size, and you walk up and you're like, "Oh shit!" I thought that was bigger. <laughs> oh, yeah. It happens all the time. I hate to do that with a bighorn or a fucking moose. The stakes are a little higher, right? Yeah, losing your license is a little more than your your pride. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and I'm already probably a bad misjudge of that. I look at him like I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's a stud. But like, I don't know. I've been lying to my wife for too long, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, same, same. <laughs> what are you what doing? Other, with uh... it? Getting it shoulder mounted? Um, yeah, yeah, getting it shoulder mounted. I'm debating if I'm going to do a, a a wall mount or a or pedestal mount because honestly, it's such a big animal that a wall mount right now would just look silly because it would, it would almost be touching the ground. So, it, it, uh, cause I don't, I don't have a big enough house yep. and, uh, it's 
probably yeah. So I'm thinking about maybe a pedestal mount to put it in a corner and let it have that corner. Um, you have to buy a new house just for the mount. Yeah, little, it's a little cheaper ceilings. to do the pedestal <laughs> than buy a house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tried tried selling the wife on that one, and she also was not. She didn't think that was very funny either. <laughs> Tell her you got to build a big vaulted uh, pole barn shop to have all the taxidermy in. Exactly. She's like, or we could just get less taxidermy. I was like, not an option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. What, what yeah. do you guys do with all your uh, all your antelope? You guys shoulder mount any of them, or doing euros, or what's your what's your plan? Bobby d- shoulder mounted his, but mostly because he had to, because he shot it in the head. So <laughs> the euro mount was not. When we started boiling it, the uh, it, it not, felt hard. <laughs> yeah, but the rest of us just did euros. We uh, one of our guys is in Cheyenne, so on the way down, we stopped at his place and boiled all the skulls and cleaned them up. And then I took them back to my place in Colorado once we got all the brain matter and everything off. Then I bleached them and still need to touch them all up. But I've got them all right now, and my family, my wife has them now. I'm down in Louisiana, but we'll. Uh, we're all meeting up at my farm back in Virginia for a rendezvous in the winter. So I'm going to bring them all out and divvy them back up. You drive yeah. them across. It's a little easier than flying them. Right. So you get, looks like a couple of those were like some real stud goats. Did you, did you score any of them? I need to score mine. I haven't. Um, yeah. Mine was that, that tall one where they were almost, the hooks were almost touching. Yeah. And there was some good, I mean, there was, we had a, a good variety there. Um, I think the next might've been Coles. He had really good uh-huh. hooks and good mass. It was short. Carter's was, was not Carter's was a, he was tender. He's going to eat good. Somebody has to be the smallest. <laughs> I might grab somebody else's uh, skull when they come back to Virginia. Oh, oh my bad. Sorry. That was mine. Sure I that was mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was still, it was still good. I mean, you can't, can't complain over uh six goats on the ground i mean that was that was awesome i was actually like we finished and i was like shit like i want to still hunt like we only i got only got to hunt for a day you know like yeah but yeah probably a, after that first day you're like yeah i probably should have trophy hunted for at least a, another 24 hours <laughs> yeah yeah well that's what it was it's kind of funny because perry and i were hunting together because we've been hunting now we it kind of worked out perfectly because perry was like First legal, like decent, you know, representation is what I'm shooting. I was like, I want to, I was like, we've got time. I want to be a little selective. Like we paid for private access. And so I passed on a couple, but then yeah, Perry was like, I'm ready to hit the easy button after, because we walked a lot over the past couple of years in that same unit, trying to get one with a muzzleloader, like just miles. And so he was like, I'm good to just hit the easy button. So that's what we did for his. And mine was about a mile from the truck that we went after and got him. Long stalk had to like actually put in a lot of work to get him, but it, it worked out well. And he, uh, he was like the perfect, I was like, hell yeah, that's like the, the perfect one, exactly what I was looking for. So it, it, it lined up well for everybody. Yeah, that's awesome. And somehow, you, you burned burn those points, right? Helping, helping everybody else draw. I burned, I think Carter burnt the most points and then he shot one on public. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I burned four, you burned five, right, Carter? Yeah. Or you, yeah. So you guys so. kind of pulled the team, right? You yeah. Oh, yeah. Two? yeah. Roger showed up with zero and then that trend <laughs> continued for the rest of the hunt. 
<laughs> but no, it was it was awesome. It was cool to like take some of the because like what ended up happening was we taught or not we I wasn't there, but Carter taught Bobby some tactics, and then Bobby actually used those. He went out by himself, killed his, and then came back the next day, grabbed Roger, and then was able to get Roger on one with what he learned from Carter. So it was just kind of a cool, you know, getting those guys introduced to hunting out west. It was all their first western hunts and. It was just, it was a great way to kind of get them, get them into it. I think they're both Jones in the comeback already. Yeah. That's awesome. How'd, uh, so, how'd your elk hunt end up? Uh, still, uh, still in progress. Um, so I, I got my deer and antelope already, but my, <clears throat> my elk, um, uh, so actually I have two. I have, I have one. Well, I guess we've had a couple. We, Adam Adam Weatherby owns uh, Weatherby uh, rifles and stuff. He he booked a hunt on one of our Colorado properties, and I just went along with him. Um, that was we got him a three hundred and fifty inch bull, biggest bull of his life, opening morning. Opening so, morning, opening morning. Yeah, it was pretty. Uh, <laughs> that one worked out pretty well. Um, he was giving me shit too because I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that's, I'm like, yeah, it's bigger one than I've ever shot, and because I usually archery hunter in here, he's like, yeah, that's what you get for shooting those stupid bows. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> um, but uh so that was an awesome outcome but i still have i've been out a couple different times in in wyoming because the uh the tag i drew this year i didn't i didn't draw my actual unit i, I wanted to get i drew a, I drew a second choice but i put i based my second choice off of one that is really good if you can fly in to access it um because we have that the, the company super cup but uh but we had a windstorm that blew in the hangar door of my airplane and destroyed it partially. So it's, oh it's my God. um, so now, so now my only spot I have, I'm just hiking way the hell back in there. And, uh, like I, I was actually just in there this last weekend. It's a high of 18 degrees. It was like negative overnight. It was, it was terrible. I was just by myself. I was like eight miles back and I could see elk another two mile, two and a half miles, but I had to walk around this, this BLM section get around this private, which would have been like another six miles. And I'm by myself. So I'm like, there's not a chance in hell that I'm making that work. So I just sat there shivering for three days, hoping that they'd make their way uh, over to me. And they didn't. Um, so uh, <laughs> that, that season at least goes till the end of November. So I have that. And, and then I have another Colorado elk hunt that I'll leave for uh, next weekend. And that's a, that's a private land one on a, um, on a prospective infant outdoors property. I'm just, I'm just, paying him to, to to try it out first and then if it's good we'll uh uh um try to try to bring it onto the onto the platform um at least that's how i that's how i justify it to the irs but work uh, trip yeah <laughs> definitely how was, trip. It, uh, yeah. how was it hunting with uh adam what's he like adam's great yeah he's uh uh that was the first time i've been able to hunt with him i've i've hunted with with Luke before, who's like their VP of sales marketing, kind of like the number two, who's, who's not a Weatherby person. And that's like who we've hunted with, with the hush guys and stuff when they've booked infinite hunts. But, uh, but no, with Adam, it was, yeah, he's a, he's, he's a cool guy, real, real down to earth, just a, yeah, good person, but still, still fun. You know, he's, he's religious like I am, but you can still joke, you know, you don't have to totally, uh, you know, totally change who you are. You can still be yourself, but no, he's really, yeah. Yeah. Good dude. It's a lot of fun to hunt with him. And he, he's like me. He likes to get after it. Like, it's not, it's not just for a show. It's, it's not like, yeah, where are they at? Let's do this. He's like, how hard can we make like the same sort of crap I like to do? Like, like 
It's like, we're testing out a new gun. It's called the high country. Let's get into the high country. Let's get the way back out there. He's like, I know we could shoot one on this ranch. We just spoke, but it's a, a unit wide landowner voucher we came with. Like, let's make this hard. I'm like, speaking my language. Let's get ready to suffer. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> but no, so it was, it was great. It's cool, dude. He, he flew his, he flew his plane and he's got a, a jet prop plane that he pilots himself. So he flew into the airport and picked him up there and had to cut the, had to cut the, the, uh, cut the rack in half to fit it back in the plane because it was so big couldn't get it to couldn't get it to work so it was it was a fun experience <laughs> we need a, a cool plane, test carter that's what i've learned from this podcast yeah, oh you on. have the credit card numbers right why don't you go ahead and just buy one while we're doing this that credit card doesn't work anymore it got shut off <laughs> <laughs> apparently those amex platinums do have a limit i found it <laughs> we did when you're trying to put planes on them yeah in all of our shows next year. Good Lord. I screwed, I screwed the pooch on that one. I didn't realize that every single expo we're going to next year, all was coming due the exact same time as our, all of our fall merchandise. I was sitting there looking at it and I was like, these numbers, they don't add up. (laughs) They don't time those well, do they? They're always like, yeah, we want your money. But I know a lot of them were end of, end of October and it's like, ah, September, so. October. Yeah. Most of the big ones. I mean, some of the smaller ones, it, it's irrelevant, but like we're going to be at ATA and shot show and some of these bigger ones. And I was like, fuck. And some of these, I mean, we have like a 20 by 20 booth. So some of these are pricey. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it all ends up, but hopefully we'll make some shot? money off them. Yeah. Yep. Nice. We'll, we'll be a shot too. I'll have to Hell yeah. Connect. yeah I'm hoping. Western Hunt Fest or not? We didn't get in. We got waitlisted and tried to get in there last year. They told us to just put in. We applied like three different times. So if you know anybody, let me know. <laughs> we are we are national partners with Mule Deer Foundation who puts the whole thing on. <laughs> well, you know, if you can put in a good word for us, I'll take a day. I'll, I'll go to the damn closet right now, hide out in the janitor's closet because we, we couldn't do anything to to get in. So. I mean that one's so big at this point. We we I was there last year with Garrett. And we were just walking around. And I was like, "Holy cow, this is the biggest one I've seen. I've never been to shop before. I know it's huge, but yeah, I was like, God bless." Yeah, they're they're both next level because we 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 went to both last year and it, it yeah it, it totally ruins every single show. Like we're like after that, we're not even going to go to the like Denver and National Sportsman's Expo anymore because it just kind of. We're just like, can't justify that. <laughs> like, those are so sick. Let's try it. <laughs> Have you, uh, the Mile High we're game and fish or the Hunt and uh, Fish Expo? Have you seen that one? Yeah, we're going to it. Hell yeah. Yeah, we'll be there too. Yeah, I was stoked. So, Phil and I actually met Phil at the ISC Denver. That was our first show that we ever did last year. We did all right. Like, we did better than I was expecting. And for as dead of a show it was, but Phil like walked up and he's like, this sucks. And he called me like three weeks later and he's like, Hey, I decided to say, fuck it. And we're starting our own show. You in? And I was like, hell yeah, man, let's go. So yeah, we're going to be there too. I'm glad he's, it's in a way better location, not in the middle of downtown Denver. You know, like I, I hate ISC Denver. We only, only went once, but my dogs were having anxiety. I was having anxiety sitting there in the concrete jungle for five, six days, <laughs> losing my mind. I don't know how people that live like that. show has gone downhill too. It used to be good like 10 years ago. Um, but it's like a just flea market. Yeah, it, it's like if you want to buy some salsa and blankets and 
<laughs> go on a trip to Africa or Alaska. Like that's it. So it's not a, yeah, not good for that. Basically, if you speak English, it's not really your scene. <laughs> yeah, it's like Pakistani purses and knockoff shit. Like it looks like it looks like a flea market. Like it's. it's it, I mean, there's it, some good like chip dips and and, and some like, salsa <laughs> stations and. Yeah, but, like it's cool, but it's not what I want when I'm in the hunting mood. Like if I yeah. want to go buy a blanket, I'll go to I'll open my computer and go to Amazon. But whatever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for our the expo circuit that we're hitting. It's, it should be pretty good. We'll probably see you guys at a lot of those. But how many are you guys going to this year? Oh man, so we're going to eight expos, and then we're going to be at. All the Mountain Archery Fest 3D shoots, then all the Western Hunt Fest 3D shoots, and then we're going to try to get a, to a couple of at least the one of the tax shoots. We haven't decided yet uh, which one, probably one of the whichever one there in Colorado, uh, just because it's right there in our backyard. Because I'll be out of the army. Ideally, I sign out on leave in February, so I'll be freed up for the majority of the season. Oh, really? February, you get a break? Hopefully, the break for life. <laughs> Really? Sign out, terminal leave, and say start growing the beard back out, and never shave again forever. That's the plan. <laughs> they let like, you. Yeah, they didn't let me yeah. quit last time I tried to. So let's see if they'll let me this time. <laughs> I keep keep hold like crossing my fingers that all this fucking this powder keg that's going on right now holds off for another six months, <laughs> so I can get the fuck. Of course, I'll be on IRR, so they can call me right back in. But we'll see. But I'm yeah, I'm ready to get the hell out. How long have you? How long have you been? Been, uh, ten, ten years and some change. Too long. I've been getting out for six of those ten years. <laughs> Hell yeah, Be- better man than I am. I don't regret any of it, but it's definitely time for me to go do something else, some greener pastures. Because yeah, it's just it's not. I don't want to get. I'll get. I'll, I'll tell. I'll talk about it a lot when I'm out. But <laughs> I'm just. It's just not the same organization that I joined, and priorities are very different from mine. So, uh, and then with everything that we're, we've got going on, it's just. It's the right time. It's like the timing's perfect to go ahead and make the leap over into this full full time. And we're setting up in Western Colorado and like the Grand Junction area. So we've got a bunch of guys that are moving in, and we're. Uh, actually, I don't think I've announced this yet, but I'm. Taking a stake in the Colorado Outdoor Adventure Guide School, and so we're going to be kind of running the school and tying that into what we're doing with HLE and everything, which is going to be cool. Awesome! Yeah, you guys, good for you, Luke. That's awesome. Keep trying to get Carter Carter to move out west, but he's not having it. He likes he likes Georgia too much. I like to. (laughs) I don't want this to come off as as uh, as offensive because I just truly don't know anything about out east but what what's appealing about being in georgia and that part of the country other than like not having winners and shit from a hunting perspective it's just a totally different ball game if that's what you're alluding to but um i have a job that i don't hate i'm a high school teacher and i love my job and uh and that's the only place that has high schools in the country so that makes sense well i told him i was like dude i'm buying you a school like an entire school (laughs) After my first trip to Wyoming, I was completely fell in love with the state. I was like, there's probably high schools out here. Drove around for 50 hours, didn't see a single one, but there's probably one out there. Yeah, there's like two. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I always joke my, my, uh, 
my like high school conference in Colorado had like just the conference itself had more schools and more people than the entire state of Wyoming. And uh, yeah, so. <laughs> that's Colorado Springs has more people than the entire state of Wyoming. Yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> I was pretty dead set on moving to Wyoming. And the wife was on board until this last winter hit. <laughs> and she was like, she was hearing all about Wyoming and how bad it was and like, you know, negative 30 and everything. And she was like, I don't know if I want to do that. And then this opportunity presented itself in Western Colorado and the Western slope is like way better than the front range. So it's like, that's a happy medium. I can get out that way. Yeah. The Western slope of Colorado is still, still awesome. Yeah. Like the old Colorado that I grew up in. Where, uh, where's your family ranch at? You don't have to uh, be exact, but general location. Yeah. Closest to Buena Vista. Okay. Um, smack dab in the middle of the state. Yeah. Yeah. That's, we'll we'll be still... out there next month for my first uh, elk hunt and Cole's first elk hunt, Sam. Oh, really? Yep. What 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 area? Or, or you don't have to ask about that if you don't want to, but in, near Buena Vista? Uh, near Paonia. If you're familiar with Paonia, like Hotchkiss. Yep. Yeah. So not, I think further, I, that side of the state geography is a little rough, but I th- it's south, west, I think, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So. We always, we always call that Hotchkiss and Paonia. But... <laughs> Sounds about right. But yeah. It's, uh, we're doing a drop camp with uh, Bear Creek Outfitters up there. We've got a good relationship with the owner. And um, I actually went up there and helped a little bit. I didn't really do any guiding, but I just helped with prep and setting stuff up. And then Garrett's been out there guiding. I've got a mule deer tag and a elk tag, and then the rest of the boys have elk tags. So it should be a pretty good, pretty good hunt. Awesome. Is that a third season tag or fourth? Fourth. Yeah. So it's either going to be seventy degrees or six foot of snow. We'll see. <laughs> right. Yeah. Never much in between that time here. Yeah, I told Carter, I was like, we might need like snowshoes, man, <laughs> depending on depending on how much snow's on the ground, because it can get pretty crazy out that way. So we'll see. But they got hit really hard a couple days ago, and they had, I mean, hell, Colorado Springs just got shellacked. My wife sent me a picture. My two year old, he was in the snow up above his belly button. <laughs> like, no kidding. Yeah, it was deep. Yeah, they got two feet of snow just dumped on them. We got two inches here. Maybe you do need to come to Wyoming for better. That's right. That's actually not a bad selling point. Wyoming <laughs> just got it. Every time I go there, I'm like, this is the spot for sure. Like they take care of you on taxes. There's no people. And then they really take care of the resident hunters. Colorado, short of the cost, it's cheap, which is nice. But like other than that, they don't take care of you with tags at all. No. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. That was probably the biggest factor with us moving our company and me moving to Wyoming. Like, like it was great for a business environment, but the hunting and the resident perks is insane. Like that elk tag I was telling you that I have, that was my second choice. Cause first of all, there's no, there's no points for Wyoming residents. Like there's no antelope points. There's no elk points. There's no deer points. Just random draw. Um, but my second choice elk tag takes seven to eight points as a non-resident to draw. And that's like, that's like my backup option. God like, ah, crap. Didn't get that. I guess I'll just get something that people would wait the better half of a decade for out of state. Yeah. <laughs> well, and even just having the option for a general tag for deer and elk is just awesome. Like you, you can learn an area. You can, you know, you know where you're hunting every single year. You can, you know, you know where you can scout. Cause you know what you're going to, where you're going to be like versus Colorado. It's like, 
We'll see. I've been right. lucky. Like I, I, I've had tags every single year, but it takes a lot of time to like do the research. And you know, you see on these groups and guys are like, I've been putting in for 19 years. I'm like, well, one, you should probably do a, a modicum of research and just take some time because I moved from the east and have had tags in my pocket every year. But it still is just a pain in the ass. That's the one thing that I just can't. I, I'm hoping CPW is doing a lot right now. I mean, I'm sure you're tied in with a lot of that with looks like OTC is going to change, but I just hope they adopt some system similar to what Wyoming has with giving residents some sort of general tags to be able to, to pull like everything like residents shouldn't have to draw deer tags. Like guys can like live in an area and never be able to hunt in their backyard. Like that's crazy. Right. Well, they they should at very least, I mean, I I say this and it hurts myself as some of that still hunts now out of state in Colorado, but they really should adopt because like Colorado general tags, for residents, it truly is general. We can we can draw elk and deer every year, but an elk tag is going to take you at least four points to just draw a general. You know, so Colorado did that with OTC. Let your residents hunt every year, but make it take four years for a for non-resident. Yeah, make make that quality like because I always say Wyoming's you know Wyoming's general units in general are equal to a you know a seven to ten point unit in Colorado because they're just managed that much better. Yeah, I. I... I believe that for sure. Well, in Wyoming, I didn't draw with four points this year in Wyoming for a general elk tag. Really? And my, one of our guys drew f- with two. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and he killed a stud. Chet, he was actually just on the last episode uh, uh-huh. telling his story. And like, yeah, he killed a stud bull on off two points. I was like, that was supposed to be me, motherfucker. Because I was, I was going to hunt with the guy that Chet was hunting with in Wyoming with Gabe. And I was like, son of a bitch. But no, I'm happy for him. That's how it goes, though. I, I do like the a little bit of the randomness of it too, because it makes it worthwhile to just throw in, right? And yeah, you never know because you can do that, like you said, two points, or you know, you can draw a moose tag like me, three points. Should have taken twenty seven. Got lucky. Somebody's <laughs> got to draw it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat that at all. And the year before last, the, uh, the elk tag that I just randomly drew in Wyoming, because, again, random, random draw. But they, they have it for non-residency, like you said, which is awesome. But, but yeah, it takes max points for the, the elk tag I got last year. Just casually drew it. And uh, it's uh, my wife, three years ago, drew another <clears throat> a deer tag that would take 11 years for non-resident. Got her first one putting in as a resident. So yes. it's nice to have that. It's worth, it's worth putting in. Yeah. I always thought there's no chance you could ever be lucky until I was the one that got lucky and keep getting lucky. So <laughs> ride it out as well. Yeah. Somebody, yeah, just what Carter said, somebody's got to do it. That was, we were at the Colorado Bowhunters Association banquet. I never buy raffles because I'm like, I, and I just happened to throw $100 on a bow raffle and won a stalker stick bow from South Cox. It's like a $1,000 bow off a $100 raffle ticket, a couple raffle tickets. I was like, I never won anything. This is badass. So, yeah. It, Gotta Especially throw- actually like off of like off of luck. Like I I, I just was a <clears throat> did my normal fucking engineering nerd shit when I was at a Mule Deer Foundation. That like event is bad weather, almost nobody showed up. So I just like quickly did the math in my head on like the statistics and how many ticks I'd have to buy to ensure that I would win one of them. Bought like six hundred dollars for the tickets and then won a gun, but it was like the very last one and I just like crunched the numbers and I'm like, wow, that was almost a really stupid thing using math. It's one away from just totally losing my ass. <laughs> well, Cole did that at a mountain archery fest event. He bought, they were doing like the deck of cards thing. Well, he bought, uh-huh. I think 
over three quarters of the deck. Oh, and shit. he won every single raffle off of that. And so he, he had shot his first bow that, that weekend, decided he wanted to get into bow hunting. He won uh, a release, a drop away Stop rest, me. the sight, and the bow all off that one <laughs> raffle. And he spent like 300 bucks and got like $1,200, $1,800, whatever it was worth of shit. It was ridiculous. We were all like drunk as hell at the social. Just lo- yeah. yeah, losing our minds. At one point he was so drunk. He was like, Luke, come here. I can't read these cards. <laughs> so I had to stand up there and read his cards for him. Cause he was seeing triple. <laughs> you couldn't script that better. Just jump up, drunk off your ashes, slowly completing the, the whole setup you need. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was, I looked at Brandon, the, the owner who was running. I was like, did you, did you, did you fix that? Like, how did he win every single one? But I mean, he did the math in his head, nerded out and was like, if I, He's also a degenerate gambler, so that's also part of it. <laughs> yeah, he was like, uh, you know, that meme with like the dude from The Hangover, and all the fucking numbers are going. That was definitely yeah. Cole. He's sitting there. Yeah, but that was, that was the best three hundred bucks he ever spent. It's perfect. It's not gambling if you know you're going to win, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I bought my uh, preference points last night, Sam, for Wyoming, and. I put in, I bought a couple super tag raffles actually because of you and your moose hunt. I was like, yeah, yeah. someone's got to win. So I'll, I'll buy a ticket, you know? There you go. Might as well. We'll see. I always do the same too. I, that always draws me on ah, 10 bucks. Might as well get, get a few of these. Yeah. <laughs> Too easy. You get preference points for everything or just, or just. A, no, a just a uh, deer, elk and antelope. You were able to do it for antelope? No, but that's that's what I am building in Wyoming. Oh yeah, yeah. Three. I can only buy elk points. Hopefully, I'll draw a general tag on five points. Fucking point creep. Be better. Although I remember when it used to be three. Yeah, yeah, I was three for a long time. But yeah. and then they're changing the uh, the super tag price. Like it's going way up. So that'll probably make it a lot easier if you feel like paying like a ridiculous amount for the special tags but I bet it'll, it'll just exacerbate the uh, all other all other point creeps that you still justify those special tags are just going to go into the regular now. Yeah, I've, I like the special tags because you're buying the year back on the points. Being able to like still put in that year and get a point is pretty pretty huge. So I gamed it for a while. I would still get my tag, do the second draw, with a special tag and then, you know, stock my antelope points that way. But I just burned them all this year. I didn't do the special because I was looking at, I already had, when I checked out with all my tags, I think out of, coming out of Wyoming, I had a $2,300 cart and I was like, I can't do the special tags. <laughs> Luckily I didn't draw the, it's honestly a good thing. I didn't draw the elk tags. I wouldn't have had a lot of time, but um, yeah, that, that would have been ridiculous. <laughs> Well, and then Wyoming still does it like Colorado used to in the old days where they, they keep your money from the time yeah. you apply until you, until you I wish out. Colorado would do that too. Yeah. Cause at least someone has to be vested enough to tie up that amount of money for yep. a while. That's, what, that's actually kind of weird in Colorado. Well, in that one year that I don't know if you were residents or hunting Colorado at that time, but when they did those like, like $3 applications or whatever, and you didn't have to tie yep. up any money and it just, it was just insane. Everybody applied yep. and just, immediately added two points to draw a new tag in the state <laughs> yeah yeah it's i mean i don't want to say anything 
about CPW because every interaction I've ever had with a CPW officer has been incredible. Um, I have really positive experiences, which is the way the I grew up. Cool. Yeah. The, but the, the policies. The officers making the policies. Exactly. Exactly. And like, it seems, and I don't know, I wasn't here during the merge, but like got old timers I've talked to, like, especially like Jeff, the guy who owns Coax. It's just since they merged with Parks and Wildlife, there's been a noticeable shift that's far less about the wildlife and more about the revenue. Because it's just, you know, which I mean, I get it. And I understand that the state has to make money and it's, there's such a opportunity there. Uh, but it just, it definitely sucks. And it also sucks that the people that are benefiting from all the hunter's cash are ones that are extremely anti-hunting and don't want anything to do with it. And, you, you know, I've gotten yelled right. at in Boulder for having, I was hunting, it was the first year I was in Colorado, I was hunting a tag uh, west of Boulder and got, I like drove through town, stopped. I was actually outside of Boulder. I was in one of the little towns out there, but still very, very hippie. And I wanted to try to go to a bar and I had my orange was the only hat and, that I had on and lady was like heckling me about it. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it, it's different down there. And now with being in the parks, you're, it's like funding their own demise. I see they keep putting more people that are, have like a track record of being anti hunters on the actual, you know, well, the governor hates hunting, like openly hates hunting. Right. And then his husband loves wolves. That's what actually like originally started that whole thing. And, uh, yeah, it was heartbreaking when well, in Colorado, like conservatives in Colorado, we don't do ourselves any favors. And that's something we've talked about getting more involved with is it's there's so much infighting, like the ranchers and the outfitters and the, like the hunters that hunt public don't like the outfitters. The outfitters don't like those hunters. The ranchers don't like anybody unless they have an outfit on their place, bringing them in revenue like nobody's working together. There's no concerted effort at all it seems like everybody's just at odds and we're so fractured we know that the folks that have these this way of thinking and this value set that it's just easy i was surprised at how close the damn wolf thing was and that was a big sign to me that like if we could get our shit together we could probably push back on all this right well that's kind of not to get not to get too uh too political but um fuck it you can get political let's hear it yeah no that's just kind of the, the the whole problem with the divide is uh, conservatives believe in free, independent thought, which is why we're divided because we're all individuals. That's why at any level of politics, um, the more liberal side, they're always in lockstep because they all think exactly the same. Um, yep. So that that's why what makes conservative side so 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 valuable and you know so powerful for you know business leaders and independent thinkers and creativity is the same thing that hurts from a collective perspective because we're not yep. we're not all the same people we're our own people i think no, i saw today or yesterday point. today or yesterday sam you uh came on and on the board of directors for the first hunt foundation what uh what do they do yeah so, so they're a they're a national organization i think they're in 47 states um for uh for for training mentors and helping get get kids and just first-time hunters and, and women and everybody on their on their first hunts so just a, a giant national uh uh mentorship uh program and, and they, they've been doing a lot to get to get more more digital and do stuff on their sites like how we originally got connected was just kind of talking and advising about digital and different ways to skin the cat and uh was honored enough that they you know liked what i had 
had to say and we're very aligned like that's something i'm super passionate about is is the next next generation and and you know growing this passion for the outdoors um and that they they asked me to fill the the open spot they had on their uh board of directors for it so pretty uh yeah pretty cool pretty honored to to do that and and uh be able to make a difference keep introducing more people to, to the outdoors yeah, it's a noble cause, man. You needed one more thing to do too, didn't you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'll see how that goes. But. <laughs> That's Go really the cool. Fir- the first hunt. Yep. First, first hunt, hunt foundation. foundation. First hunt foundation. Cole, scribble that down because I'll forget. That's right in line with uh, with our mission set too. It's all focused on getting folks into the into the outdoors for for healing and mental health stuff but then also getting to the next generation and kids and out in the future i really want to work to we do a lot with veterans organizations right now but i want to start branching out into more stuff that's focused on the youth especially youth that don't have the opportunity to get out outdoors like you know urban youth or or folks that'll never have that opportunity i think that's something that's really important um because that's kind of i think that's the most underestimated thing out there like grounding and outdoors in the nature like that's that's so huge for for you know morphing somebody like we weren't meant to live in concrete jungles and stuff like you need some sort of grounding and if you don't have a if you don't have a a parent to get you into that or don't even have any role models period like you have no chance of that you're kind of a throwing away a lot of talent if you can't get somebody grounded with their roots yeah you'd be amazed sorry go ahead no you go ahead man I was just saying, you'd be amazed with how many people come and join the team here at Hunter. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people from all over the country and internationally, right? We just last go around, we had a dude from South Africa and a guy who just moved here from India. Uh, people from all over the country who have never been introduced to hunting whatsoever and are looking for that introduction and have come to us for that. And that's been honestly unbelievably rewarding to help open those doors and and help people do that. So that's, I don't know. I think it's really awesome. Yeah. Good for you guys. Cause it it truly does make a quantifiable difference in somebody's life. Like, like more than, you know, more than anything that I've, that I've found in this state, like even from a, uh, uh, you know, I've already got political, might as well go religious too, but like even from a getting people into, uh, into different spirituality and, and, and God and stuff, it, that, that's even the gateway there. It's a, hell of a lot easier to make that bridge once somebody understands nature and the outdoors. And then that's kind of the inevitable progression too. So it's, yeah, changes people's life, getting them into the, the outdoors and hunting and fishing. No, I agree completely with that. It's I've been a heathen for the better part of a decade now, and it's brought me back into the spirituality piece that, and a couple other things that have happened in my life recently. And I think that, that the outdoors and nature are a hundred percent like, a part of that it just there's just something at a certain point you're looking and you're like this isn't random like this didn't just happen you know like this kind of you know i don't the majesty of you know you, you watch a fucking wyoming sunset like you know i have some epic pictures from my mule deer hunt and you're just like this is this is incredible right this didn't just this wasn't just a couple of fucking particles smashing together in space like something did this this, this isn't how this shit just works things don't just randomly happen like this it's a good it's a good ego check for sure you like you feel a lot when you recognize how how great and how big and how vast the, the outdoors and the universe is all of a sudden your little shit life doesn't seem so big and you don't seem like you're the center of it anymore 
Yeah, hundred percent. That's a great point. What uh, what's next for you guys? What uh, what are, what's I mean, anything you you can talk about? I'm sure you guys have some stuff behind closed doors, but you know what's on the docket. I mean, I know you you guys have been expanding south. Got a lot of Oklahoma properties. I'm not far down here in Louisiana from Oklahoma, so I've been looking at some of those. Have my eye on them potentially. But uh, what uh, what states are you trying to get into? How much more are you moving out? You know, what's your expansion trajectory and everything look like? Yeah, no, we're um, yeah, we got. So a lot of it's kind of behind lock and key kind of proprietary at this point, but we got, we got a lot of, a lot of moving parts, but yeah, I expect to uh, continue expanding out from our, our current, our current radius of that 12 or 13 States and, and uh, going out from there. Um, but then from other like big kind of revolutionary things, we, we just came out for our waterfowl stuff with, with what we're calling community adventures to just help people that don't, uh, that don't, you know, maybe they're newer to the sport or they just want to, you know, meet some more friends out there. So you actually have the option now in your book and waterfowl hunts to make it a community adventure. So you get a discount on your reservation fee, it cuts that in half, and then it opens up the extra spots in that blind to any infant outdoors member. So they can just join you. So you can get um meet some more people and hunt together and and help uh help expand our community, hence the hence the name. So that's that's been something that we're excited about and it's already just in the last week of launching that it's had a lot of good uh um, a lot of good traction um but yeah we've got some other good big um you know par- partnerships and stuff in the works and uh yeah just keep expanding and trying to spread our services across the uh, across the country as quick as we can but while doing it right we'll never sacrifice quality for just dots on the map yeah, that's a piece that, you know, from our first conversation that I, I really do respect. And it, it's not just, it'd be really easy for you guys to really maximize, you know, the profit piece and the fact that you have the biologist, you actually do the surveys, you manage these properties for, you know, the wildlife and ensure that they're being managed beyond what the game and fish agencies are doing, I think is, uh, is really admirable. Uh, and it's something that I really respect. And I know, you know, Carter's in lockstep with that is it's just a little bit of a different approach. Um, and it's more mindful and long-term, you know, delayed gratification to understand the resource and being able to, you know, extend it versus just going after a grab of, you know, like, I know you, like you shut down properties and you're like, ah, we're not going to list this one this, this year because it just can't sustain it. It can't have it. Or, you know, well, we hit our quotas. So now we're shutting it down. We're not just going to, try to keep bringing hunters in and maximizing the dollars. That's something that I, I just really love what you guys do. Yeah. Well, thank you. Glad you guys, uh, recognize and see some value because it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it'd be very easy to just, you know, be money hungry and try to do whatever you want or just try to pump it, pump up the company to, to just sell to some other big company that's just going to use and abuse what we created. And that's not what we're about. I always, rather stay true to the mission at the uh and you know because i don't care how much i don't care how much money we ever bring in i still have to sleep at night like i've said before so we're gonna continue to do the right thing no matter if that has a uh, negative financial impact conservation is always first and uh and then everything else is secondary yeah and i think long term you know when i've i've gone through periods of my life when i have an ex you know really focused on the long-term picture or, or what is 
you know, the, the, the right thing where you're chasing something. And I, I think long-term it even just pays off better anyways, you know, because people see that and then you're attracting the right type of person. You're attracting, you know, the, the right customers, the right loyal folks, the ranchers you have a better relationship with. And especially if you can message and educate and, and teach like long-term, even though your growth will be slower and more measured, like when you look at that, it's, that's not a bad thing. You know, it's, it's right to, to build it right. And I think even from an economic standpoint, long-term, it, it will, it will pay off more than the, the short-term kind of chasing the dollar thing. So yeah, it's awesome. Glad you think so. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think <clears throat> life lesson in general, just when in doubt, do the right thing. And that's probably the, that's probably the best, uh, <laughs> that's probably the best long-term course of action, no matter what feels right in the short term. Definitely. Yeah. We just did a, a mindset call. Shit, was that last night? All the days run together and uh, basically doing like vision mapping for your life. But I'm going through the the progression and like the first thing for folks that I always say that is like, it's the core values. And so you have to define those before you can define anything else. Because if you don't, then, you know, you just start to have that drift and, you know, you can start making concessions unless you know where your left, those left hard left and right limits are, you'll just continue to capitulate. And you've got to have that, that core value set, like codified, understood, and like deliberately like sitting there and the words have meaning. Right. And I was talking to the guys about that too, is like, you know, honesty means different is different from integrity is different from honor. Like all these things are related, but they're not the same. And like those, those specific words that you use when you define your core values, I think is really important because it drives everything you do long-term going forward. And when you get to those decision points and, and you get it as a CEO, like it's hard, you've got to make hard calls and you're looking at it and it's like, you have to, you have to make money. Like you, people don't understand that, you know, they expect everything to be fucking free. Uh, but you know, in order to, to support what you're building, you have to have revenue coming in. And so it's easy to get like kind of lost and on the business side, at least it is for me, you're, you're a numbers guy. You probably kind of get into that mind uh, mode too. And if you don't clearly define those core values, then I think you're just setting yourself up for failure long-term because you have to always have that to fall back on to know, okay, this decision, it sucks, but this is the right thing because we know who we are and what we're about. And this is what we're going to do. And I don't think you can go wrong if you do that. And too many folks lose sight of it, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And uh, I mean, and to, your, to your point of like, you still have to make money. The, the beautiful thing that a lot of people don't understand about just capitalism in general is it only works from creating a good and a service that somebody is willing to trade for that is a a net positive in the eyes of every party. So, so that's, that's such a common misconception of because you're trying to make money or something makes money that it must be bad. It's, it's actually the opposite. If it doesn't make money, that means there's a losing party in there somewhere. Um, and it's not actually a net gain for everybody. Um, so there's yeah nothing more, there, there's nothing more noble and, and honest and fair than a capitalistic transaction, in which every party benefits. Hundred percent. Yeah, I agree completely. Fuck yeah! What do you got, Carter? You got something on all this? No, man. I was actually going to say, uh, in this space, it's good to be on the same, you know, call digitally with someone with core values, and we're proud to be, you know, working with Infinite, and happy to know you, Sam. This has been an awesome huge value add to uh our lives this year so happy to know you man and happy to be a lifelong infinite customer here man looking forward to more uh opportunities with you guys 
yeah, man, I'm glad to, glad to be uh, partners with you guys and, and, uh, yeah, hard, hard to find people that are, that are aligned. So got to, got to double down on our, uh, good people and good ideas and look out for one another and grow the outdoor space and, and everything in it. Yeah, that's been, there's been a definitely over the last couple of years, the more I've gotten plugged in, we were kind of in our own bubble there for a little while, but this year, especially got really plugged in with the industry and met a lot of great people and a lot of great companies, but there's an alarming amount that are not so great. And there's a lot of bullshit in this industry, a lot of misrepresentation of hunts, misrepresentation of things that are happening and going on. And like when that shroud gets pulled back, you're like, huh, or you meet some guys in person and you're like, you're a lot different than you portray yourself as, you know, and I think that that's disappointing, but it's, it's probably, I mean, it's every industry, it's, it's every sector, but I think there's a lot of marketing tactics and techniques that have been kind of utilized within this space that I, I think that people are kind of starting to wise up to. And that's something that I've noticed. And one of the things we get all the time, I think it's one of the reasons why we've been, I won't say that we're successful, but as you know, our moderate level of success is because we don't do anything other than what we do. You know, we show every aspect of it. We talk about the shit that goes wrong. We talk about all our mistakes and there's just a lot of whitewashing that goes on within this space that I agree completely. When you find those, those companies and those people that really align and put, put the value set first before the profit, I think it's really important. So like Carter said, I'll echo his thoughts. I'm stoked for the relationship and I'm just looking forward to expanding it. And we need to set up a hunt and get out and, and camp together one of these days, man. Cause it's, uh, yeah. it's been a long time coming, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. No, looking, looking forward to the future and yeah, glad, glad to have you guys as, as, uh, as partners, like you said, as you, as you grow in the industry too, it, I don't know if you had the same point, but there's like an inflection point where all of a sudden you like get enough into it where you can just see everything. There's like a, clear clear divide yes. and yep. the aligning like, oh this is this crew of delinquents and then this is this ideological mindset and it's it's very obvious when you get to that level and it's only a matter of time to all the consumers see that too. So I think all the more reason to do the good, do what's right, practice what you preach and uh the rest will come out in the wash. Yeah. No I think I hit that point probably around May. Well, really, when we just started hitting the expos in general, but it was May was when I was like looking around and I'm like, yeah. And now I do. I just I see and I notice you just start to be able to pick it out and you're like, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. And then you start plugging in with the right people and then you start hearing stuff. I mean, I've heard, I'm not going to go into the details, but you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> like some of that stuff is just an absolute cesspool. <laughs> some of these expos are a disaster. What happens on the back end and stuff. but. I mean, whatever, everybody can live their own life and, and move through it the way they want to. And all we can do is operate within our own, you know, parameters and value sets like we talked about, but yeah, it's don't have to go down the whole rapid hole, but it's, uh, it's refreshing when you do find those right people. And I, we, we've been very blessed with just the crew and the, the folks like, I mean, Amanda from, from infinite actually, did, we, I did her team interview a couple of days ago, which was awesome. She actually came out and, and joined up, which was cool. And she was telling me about the community piece on the duck hunting side. I thought that was badass. I actually want to do that, get a couple of our guys and just leave it open, see if we can't meet some new folks. And I think that's a really yeah. cool, uh, I'm hoping to have some time later in the season here in, in December and be able to, I've got one duck hunt in Arkansas, but that'll be my first duck hunt ever. So I'm assuming I'm going to get hit bit with the bugs every time I hunt something new. 
I just have to spend a thousand dollars on new gear for that specific type yeah. of style of hunting. So Arkansas is a hell of a place to go on your first, uh, first duck hunt. Yeah. I might be fucking myself and just ruining it. <laughs> right. That'd be too good. You know, come out here like, what, what is this? I, it took me three hours to get a lemon. What the hell? <laughs> I think the only time I've killed a duck was in my younger years. And I shot one on the water with a 22. So I think statute limitations has me good, but I was back home in Virginia. So yeah, the duck, I don't, I definitely can't say I'm a duck hunter. No, but, water, waterfowl's it's fun it's its own sort of addiction but yeah definitely have to be careful that that hobby can get real expensive real fast if you start buying decoys oh yeah i treat it like uh like boats just find a buddy yep luckily i've got a buddy down here john ritter who's a huge duck hunter he's got all the decoys for every species ever and he's got a boat so perfect i don't have to i just mooch off him all the time we bow fish and then we're gonna do some duck hunting down in louisiana hopefully perfect we actually had a landowner that, uh, I guess, back to your other question about new things for infinite. Um, he has a, um, cause a lot of our landowners are hunters themselves. Like that's, what's appealing to the, the platform. They don't have to lease away their rights. They just have to co-manage it with us and they can make some money on the side, but he has a ton of goose decoys. And he's like, is there a way to rent this? So we're actually going to add in a way too, where you can go on, like when you book his property, you can also. That's a really good idea. Well, that's a great idea. That's awesome. So yeah. Cause all the hard parts built out, like. The ability to give secure gate codes and directions to it, get the new boys, set them out, and you know, then you can spend an extra fifty bucks or whatever it ends up being, and uh, to hunt over a five thousand dollars spread of decoys. Yep. Yeah, we'll definitely take advantage of that. Cole, go find us some uh, infinite duck hunting. (laughs) Probably already looking. Cole's like our Jamie now. (laughs) (laughs) This is perfect. Cole, look that up. Pull it up, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, Cole, awesome. dude. Yeah, good luck with your... Uh, Shit, I'm, I'm, yeah, you go. Good luck with your elk season, Sam. Hope you uh, get one down, man. Hope to see it on the old Instagram, man. Yeah, thank you. Good luck on uh, luck on your guys' stuff, too. Hope you guys put down a few more elk. Pack those freezers full. Fingers crossed, man. Where uh, where can listeners come and find you guys, Sam? Um, yeah, they can find us on Facebook, just at Infinite Outdoors. Um, I think it's Infinite Outdoors USA on there, and then uh, Instagram handles Infinite Outdoors underscore USA, um, and then uh, yeah, online at InfiniteOutdoorsUSA.com, and we're on the App Store and the Android Play Store or Google Play Store, whatever they call it. Hell yeah, listeners, definitely go check it out. Drop a follow. Look up Sam. He's a good dude. Two thumbs up. Two enthusiastic thumbs up from Hunt Lives Eat. Appreciate it. Well, yeah, appreciate it, dude. Looking forward to the next one. You got anything, Luke? No. Go buy some shit. I got to clear out inventory because we're moving to Western Colorado in a couple months. So go buy some shit. And leave us a review. We need, we haven't gotten any new reviews recently. If you guys appreciate what you're, what you're getting in here, we, Got rid of all of our ads. The only, you know, the only thing we ask is just drop us a review, share this with some friends, somebody you think would be uh, interested in, in what we've got going on here, some of these conversations, and then go support all of our partners. Uh, definitely support Infinite. Check out the app. If you guys are looking to come out west, I highly recommend it. I can tell you I've hunted, especially if you're, it's your first hunt, lowering those, uh, those variables, those barriers is huge. Every time I've hunted elk, I would have paid any amount of money 
you know, four <laughs> days into the hunt to be able to uh, get onto some private. So it's, uh, it's definitely worthwhile, uh, especially starting out. So definitely, uh, check out infinite and, and jump in, check out team applications. If you're interested in joining the team, that's all I got. Sweet. Awesome. Well, listeners, as always, we appreciate the hell out of you guys. We'll talk to you next week.